Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. What could go wrong? Good morning. Good evening. Wherever you may be across the nation and around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. This is podcast number 325. My name's Ryan Johnson. And with me today is my co-host, Corey Romero. Corey, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yep, I am here. We got it started. Yay. <laughs> what could go wrong is what I tweeted out before we started this. And uh, we did have a couple technical difficulties, but uh, thanks, Corey. We were able to work, work, that, right. work that through. Corey, how's it going out in California? Going great. Weather's nice. Couldn't ask for a better day here in California. Sunny, awesome. beautiful. Awesome. Well, today we're going to be talking about uh, vSphere 6.0, some upgrades. Well, we've, got, we've got one of the guys from the vExpert uh, community online, as well as uh, Brian Graff, and looks like even Kyle Gleed, and among others, are on. So the chat will be open. Guys, if you have questions, feel free to, to pop in on the audio or on the chat and ask questions. Um, but first, let's, uh, let's hand it over to Corey. Corey's going to uh, let us know what's happening in VMworld and the vExpert community, as well as uh, upcoming vMug dates. Corey. Yep. So as you guys know, VMworld is coming up. Uh, early bird for U.S. registration ends June 9th. That's worse. It's only six days away. So if you have not registered for VMworld yet, please go and do that. It is ending, and the price will go up. Europe registration also opens June 9th, that same day. U.S. and Europe content catalog open June 23rd. The U.S. scheduled builder opens July 12th. So those are the dates for VMworld. Uh, another date to throw out there that has to do with VMworld and the experts and bloggers is the blogger application process ends uh, tomorrow night for U.S. passes. So we have 50 passes. So far, we've got about 350 applications for between U.S. and Europe, uh, but there's still a couple slots left open. So get your application in by tomorrow night and because uh, we're going to close, and we will send out the results here shortly. So those of you who don't get accepted because where you only have 50 passes, uh, you'll have enough time to register in the early bird pricing. So that will happen there. Very cool. You know, I think the, there's still the Evo Rail Challenge going on um, for folks that also want to try their hand at the VMworld, um, VMware Hands-On Labs for the Evo Rail Challenge. I think you can look that up on the Evo Rail site or ping Mike Laverick, but they were uh, giving out some passes to whoever who has the fastest time on the Evo Rail Challenge as well. So, oh, wow. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Nice to know. I'll see if I can find some more of the details, and we'll tag it on Twitter with a expert. I'll, I'll send that out. Yeah, that'd be great. Send that to me. We'll, we'll tweet it out on the channels. Absolutely. Cool. So what's happening in the land of the VMware users group, Corey? So this week, there's a couple uh, couple meetings happening. Uh, tomorrow, I'll mention tomorrow, uh, there will be the Sydney VMUG meeting, the Carolina VMUG UserCon, the St. Cloud is on Friday. Uh, next Tuesday is New Jersey. Wednesday is... Uh, Mid-Missouri, uh, Thursday is Halifax, Las Vegas, and Bakersfield. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of VMUGs and one user con coming up, which is this Thursday in Carolina. Very cool. Awesome. 
Well, I know the Carolinas are always a very huge uh, user conference. I'm actually looking forward to going up to, I think there's uh, one of the 16th. I'm going up to Kansas City, Missouri, uh, presenting presenting there. It should be a, a fun one uh, coming up right. on uh, June 16th. So, uh, yes, guys, uh, I'm going to chat. Yeah, I'm, I, it is my day off, and I'm doing, the, <laughs> I'm doing the podcast for the first time. What could go wrong? Wait, uh, isn't today your birthday? Today is my birthday. I'm, hey, I'm, happy I'm, birthday. Turn <laughs> yeah. 29. Happy birthday, Ryan. Happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> you know, that's dedication. That's at least what, that's what they say on the chat. Uh, I would call it crazy. <laughs> no, don't please. <laughs> please do not sing to me, folks, on the chat. Uh, you can, you can type, it out, type it out all you want to. <laughs> uh, Brian, Brian, it's not the latter there. Um, so on, on the call today, we have uh, Florent from our V Expert community and Brian Graff. Florent, are you on the line? Yes, I'm on the line. How are you guys? Florent, <laughs> very good. Florent, how do you pronounce your last name? I don't, I don't want to mess it up. Uh, that's, that's a big challenge. It's worth a pass to VMworld. It's past day. <laughs> awesome. So Florent, tell, tell us uh, how long you've been using VMware products, uh, what, you're, what you're doing, and, and what you're doing in the community. Tell us a little bit about um, yeah, so I've been using the VMware product roughly for a little over 15 years. I know the product on the 0.6 version. I've seen the growth of the product and a tremendous change. And the way that I'm using it today is I'm actually assisting clients and and you know customers deploying the the infrastructure that they have or upgrade their their version to the latest version. So my role on a daily basis to be a, a, a solution architect. I'm primarily focused on virtualization, so anything related to okay. uh, software-defined data center, but touching uh, compute and, and storage. Okay, so primarily focusing on the compute and storage. So you're, you're doing architecture. Are you your boots on the ground, hands on the keyboard type guy? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I've shifted a little bit lately, but I um, still uh, have, a, have a, a keyboard still around my neck. <laughs> It's good to keep that keyboard uh, close by and keep your skills sharp, right? Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, we also have Brian Graff on the on the phone from Technical Marketing uh, over here at VMware. Brian, you on the line? I am, Ryan. Thank you very much. Awesome. So, Brian, tell us. Uh, you know, there've been folks have shifted around a little bit in our in, in our company. Tell us, tell everybody on the line what you're doing these days in tech marketing. Yeah. So uh, I'm still working with PowerSeal Automation. Um, we have a lot of really cool, exciting things coming up in the near future. I'm really excited about what's what's moving around there. Uh, and I've also picked up the um, ESXi lifecycle management. So uh, auto-deploy, host profiles, update manager, image builder, a uh, few things that haven't had as much love from us in technical marketing over the last little while, uh, I've picked it up and, and hit the ground running. So expect to see some, some sessions at VMworld around that, hopefully. Nice. You're always you're you always hit the ground running. There's those uh, 18 hour days that you uh, that you put in. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> I think your wife already knows. So uh, we're gonna make this uh, very free form conversation, um, and so kind of pass this back and forth. You know, feel free to ask questions. We're gonna talk about vSphere 6, talk about some of the upgrades, and talk about some of the new features and things that um, what you guys find interesting. Maybe even some of the things that you're working on. With some of the uh, new and new enhancements. So, so Florent, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of start the ball off with you. Um, as you as you look at the release for the vSphere 6.0 that we did, uh, I think it was March 12th. Brian, keep me honest. March 12th of this year, 
you know, when you look at the product um, and your customers are using it or you're, you're educating yourself, what do you find to be some of the, some of the features that you're, you know, really compelling for you, for you and your customer, your, you and your customers? Uh, Vvol, Vvol was uh, was for me a very very interesting feature. Um, uh, I was very very excited to talk about it to a lot of clients and see the enhancement. You know, like to to have storage that are no longer land focused and container oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, you know, really drove the 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 storage area to be efficient for virtualization. So. Uh, this has been, I have to admit, since March, uh, very, uh, I had a lot of questions about it, and I'm, I'm very excited about this feature specifically. Yeah, when, I, when you know, I mentioned this on a podcast a couple, couple weeks back with Nick Marshall and, uh, and uh, Josh Atwell. You know, when I, when I look at vSphere 6.0, and to me personally, when I, when I look at it, you know, I kind of see it as being really a, you know, almost a storage release with, you know, the capabilities that we see in uh, VVOLs or virtual volumes, uh, especially with the storage policy-based management and being able to put controls around, hey, we want, you know, this VM to have specific capabilities that you can define in the policy and apply that policy to your to your workloads and have that cascade through to the right levels of storage, whether it's, you know, you want, you know, high throughput, you want snapshotting, you want uh, replication, et cetera, VVOLs and our partner ecosystem, right? vSAN has that um, coming out shipping with vSphere 6.0 and vSAN 6.0. But now our partner ecosystem picking that up, folks like, you know, EMC, Pure Storage, and 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 the like, uh, are picking that up and starting to work with that SolidFire example. You know, since we talked to Josh, so very cool. Anything else that's um, that's, uh, uh, yeah, so well, anything else? A lot of a lot of (laughs) help. I remember being on the call, you know, and I remember watching the the, the feature release announcement. And I was like, "Hold on, <laughs> there's a lot. That, that's going to be a big, big, big release." Um, um, the fire, is, proverbial fire hose, right? Oh my God, that that was amazing. Like when you were when we we're listening to the, the new features and we're trying, we look at each other like, and with the coworkers, you know, we're looking at each other, saying, "Oh my God, the questions are going to come up our way. It's going to be amazing because mm-hmm. of so much shift, like you said, you know." A lot more storage oriented. I found that there's a lot more features, uh, rich features that are yes, first storage oriented. But I I felt you know and detected a shift, and I don't want to talk on behalf of VMware, but I I, I felt a shift from a vCenter standpoint, from a VI client standpoint as well. VMware trying to save the client over 10k with licensing on Microsoft, and really focusing on uh, we're going to make a web appliance, we're going to make a you know a, a web-based appliance. And all the features, all the new features, some of them will be only in the web-based appliance. They were no longer uh, in a VI client, so you will right. need a VI client, you know, but not necessarily 100% of the time. And I was like, oh my God, like we've been, you know, advocating for the VI, for the vCenter for so many years, and and this is huge. Like customers are going to say, okay, we want that because we want to save costs, and this is VMware is allowing us to do that, so we want it now. Yeah, yeah. So you, so you sound like you, you and, and maybe your customers kind of felt the ground sh- ground shake and and shift and starting to see this paradigm shift to to enhancing enhancing our features, you know, with storage and compute and, and beyond. Um, what are some of the questions that you're 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 hearing a lot from your customers, or even questions that you have? You know, something we could talk talk about. Well, how do I get Vivo? <laughs> how do I get Vivo <laughs> in my data center? <laughs> 
you know, and I say, well, hold on a second here. We need to have a little bit more conversation, you know, to better understand. But, but yeah, like Vivald is something interesting. You know, customer, they want it. And, and I think the web appliance itself related to some of the, you know, licenses that comes around vCenter and the, the product cost itself, right? The product cost as, a, as an individual cost, which is, you know, sometimes attached to, yes, a Windows licensing and a SQL sometimes, you know, a SQL licensing in the back end. So a vCenter feature, which is really rich feature enable, comes out to be, you know, something around like 15, 20K. I'm talking Canadian dollars here, just for, mm-hmm. you know, that, that vCenter function. And when you, when you provide the clients with a, with a cost saving of 20 or 30K, everybody is obviously interested, you know, to say, how do I save 30K? Yeah, well, and I think it, I, I think it goes further than that as well because I mean it, we have you know over 500,000 customers, and how many of those customers are only running one vCenter, right? How many of these are running multiple vCenter servers, uh, and and those costs actually multiply very quickly. So so to have the, that savings there is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Looking at the, the like the SQL licensing, for example, that can that can the, the cows that you actually need. Um, for the the host and the and the connect the individuals connecting you know to be in, in uh, license compliant that that can add up um, yeah absolutely when you start looking at um, where we're moving with the v center v center in general really the convergence uh, and the feature parity uh, between both the windows based install installation and the virtual appliance you know now they can they can all do a thousand hosts. They can a thousand hosts, ten thousand VMs. They can all do 60, 64 nodes in the cluster, eight thousand uh, eight thousand VMs per cluster, et cetera. You know, and enhanced linked mode. We actually have brought linked mode um, into the fold with the platform service controller. I mean, is that a compelling something you're seeing as compelling um, for your customers out there? Uh, yeah. In fact, you know, another 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 architectural discussion we have with clients is. is how the new architecture is going to impact their 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 current setup, right? Their current deployment, mm-hmm. and and I do, you know, when we're talking about upgrade, uh, there is, you know, uh, things that are extremely important to take into consideration. We're not going to get there and say, okay, well, we're going to break everything and just or you know and just rebuild everything or just build something in parallel. <coughs> Sorry. So really, some of the conversation about the P, the, the PCS uh, service and and should customers go embedded or external? Should it be like two different two different VMs? Uh, those questions are are you know some those questions are in the customer's mind. Uh, and you know I, I typically say to the customer just be comfortable with with what uh, with how you are and what you feel. And, and, and your architecture, and that's the beauty of, of VMware and the flexibility they bring into their product. You're not stuck into a certain architecture. If you take one, one path, uh, typically you could you know, uh, evolve that architecture to another, uh, to another stage. Now, when the platform service controller came in, uh, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's a fundamental uh, shift in architecture where you detach some of the services away from what used to be before the vCenter itself. So I always tell the customer, I said, my personal experience, and I haven't seen, like, I mean, we live in Canada, right? Our enterprise, our enterprise customer are probably the SMB class in the U.S. Um, okay. But I said, you know, when we look at it, and, and I remember sitting on the, on the PTAB uh, at VMware, I, I was saying, always try to break, because the cost is not there. So just try to break the architecture in, in a way that it's not going to add complexity 
to your, your members. It's going to allow you for growth, and it's going to allow you to manipulate the architecture as you wish moving forward. So typically I say take the platform service controller, put it in a separate VM, uh, you know, and, and put the vCenter in another one. Yes, break it. There is other philosophy, other approach, whichever. Like at the end of the day, you know, what feels good to you when you're managing it, when you look at it. Yeah, and you're, and you're talking about the use of the, the, the deployment, the two deployment models, right? The, the embedded deployment model and the external de deployment model and, you know, weighing the advantages and the disadvantages of either deployment. And, and typically when you're talking about the, the, uh, the vCenter server with the embedded platform service control. That's really for small, small and small deployments. We really will have like, you know, one v, one vCenter in your environment. But when you start looking at, hey, I've got more than one vCenter, that's when you start looking at the external deployments where you connect your vCenters to, you know, multiple, you know, multiple multi-site, multi-master um, platform services controllers. Um, when you talk to your customers, you know, what do they have? What have they traditionally done as far as their deployments uh, for the current versions of vCenter that they're running? Are they all in one? Are they? Um, do they have? Have they done custom installations and separated a lot of a lot of the the components? Uh, so what I've seen so far, and I like, I'm in the, sorry, <clears throat> I'm in the process of helping a few clients uh, moving forward. I haven't seen a lot of clients yet upgrading. Uh, they're they're in a planning in the planning phases. So, and again, just remember, I'm in Canada, and and I think better or worse, I'm in Eastern Canada. So conservative, extreme conservative okay. architecture, right? Okay. So what we're you know what we're looking at customer for customers that have like four or five thousand VMs, uh, they typically try to keep it as embedded as possible. Okay. Uh, okay. This is what I've seen on plan. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, these customers that are going through a proof of concept right now, they're going to realize at the end that when it's time to go to production, they are better uh, to go with an external architecture on PCS, uh, PSC. Sorry. Uh, but right now, what I've seen is embedded. But again, you know, Canadian market, uh, Eastern Canada, very very conservative. Okay, so you um, your customers they they're 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 in the process of doing their planning, right? Their architectural planning, the deployment the deployment plans, would you say? Yeah, a lot of them because the, you know some of them they're trying always to be, uh, and I'm I'm just referring to one or two larger clients I'm talking to right now. Uh, they're always trying to keep the infrastructure as up to as up to date as possible. Uh, sometimes you know the, the the size of the deployment requires them to kind of obviously plan it and do it in phases. Uh, but with such a shift, it's not a regular like update, or it's just like a. Uh, it's not a. It's not minimal what VMware brought to us. It's massive, and 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 there is so many new things that need to be considered. That are going to be they're going to be a tremendous value to the organization and the business and the line of businesses. That I tell the client, just take the time to think about it because the changes that are, came to us are huge. They're huge. They're storage focused. They're, 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 you know, they're, 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 they're even the compute side, you know. And, and I'm talking, I'm bringing another subject here, but the fault tolerance aspect of that feature. I mean, a lot of the customers that have mission critical system, they they wanted to leverage fault tolerance in the past and couldn't were limited because of the amount of vCPU supported per v, uh, per VM. Well, today you just break break the rule. I mean, a lot of them that are running four vCPUs, you could consider fault tolerance as a very, very, very compelling reason to implement it for your mission-critical system. So there is a lot of 
you know, great, rich feature that, 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 that were brought to us by VMware that we, we need to be very, very careful and take the time to think about what we're going to do with those features in order to get the best return on our investment to make sure that we, to make sure that we you know, leverage the maximum benefit out of the features that are available to us. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's worth mentioning you, you brought up the um, SMTFT. So in vSphere 6.0, we introduced the you know, SMT fault tolerance um, with vSphere 6.0, and we can now support up to four virtual CPUs in a fault tolerant configuration. And you, you, may, you may, may or may not have seen, uh, we have introduced them. There's a KB article. I think it's KB1208548. Um, don't, count, don't hold me to that. I think that might be the deployment topologies. But um, we actually have an article that talks about some of the availability features. And in fact, we have recently published a new white paper. I think it was, uh, Brian, keep me honest, I think it was about a week and a half, two weeks ago. We introduced the vCenter Server 6.0 availability uh, white paper. Yep. And in that paper, we actually mentioned that there's a KB article. We now support SMP FT, uh, FT with both the tiny and the small configurations of a vCenter of a vCenter instance. Right? Not not just your other applications, but also using SMP FT to support the fault tolerance of your your vCenter, the small and tiny configurations. And of course, if you do an external platform services controller. And the VCS, VC, uh, VCSA level, the appliance level, that's only a two by two, right? So that's that's easy to, you know, use fault tolerance to support um, the availability of that v, that that VM um, should you have a host you know, host downtime. So uh, quick plug for uh, Mohan, who's on Brian's team, has done a great job working with folks like um, Blair Fritz and others in support um, crafting that availability white paper. So thank you to those folks. Um, Brian, you are, I, you know, I hear you're working on some, uh, some cool stuff with power CLI. You want to, you care to share what you're doing on the v, v, uh, vSphere 6.0 and power CLI? Yeah. So, uh, there's obviously things that I, I can't drop yet. Uh, but there are a number of, <laughs> there are a number of things and goodies that we're working on. Uh, the first one, here we go. Everyone pay attention is the, the power actions, uh, for vSphere web client is going to be released very soon for vTier 6. So I've been playing with that a bit. Uh, our PowerCLI team and others have been working really hard on updating this to work for um, vSphere 6. And for those of you that don't know what PowerActions is, um, is it's a, a web client plugin that allows users to run PowerCLI scripts uh, from the web client interface remotely. So you can actually store scripts up that are either personal or in a shared repository for others to use and you can use that for reporting or uh, taking actions in your environment, which is really, uh, really great for a lot of those uh, companies that don't have Windows machines, that, that uh, their users are not running PowerCLI because they're running on Linux or Mac. They can now do this from the web client, and you can have a set of um, scripts that are up there that are used by uh, maybe your, yourself if you're good at PowerCLI, but you can also store them in a shared repository for those that may need to run reports, but you don't want them to, to really mess with PowerCLI because they, they don't really know what they're doing quite yet. So it can be set up to where uh, those can be shared. And you can also click on objects within the web client and run scripts off of that object. So uh, it's, it's very flexible. Uh, it's coming very, very soon. Uh, and, and there's some good stuff there. The second thing that I wanted to share. Oh, sorry, go ahead. 
Let's just uh, make a quick po- point on that. You know, I've been I've been using the uh, been using Power vSphere PowerActions. In fact, my before my previous role, a lot of customers that were using the vSphere PowerActions um, and, and loving it in the five five space. Um, and it's it's really powerful, right? Taking your existing scripts that you've written, right, and de- determining what the context of that script. You know, is it a report? Is it something I wanted to do something? You know, and editing those scripts, so now you can change your you know VM param pass that through and have it launch in context for say, when you right click on a data store, show me the scripts that I can launch in context related to a data store or to a VM, right? And you create those and that's a really, really powerful construct. Um, and you, you, since you mentioned the uh, stuff that's up, <laughs> that's coming, you know, I've been working a lot with that and it's really cool. I, and I was uh, kind of doing some, some cool trickery um, to actually look at how I could integrate things with like power actions with um, with some source control, right? Some hosted source control with private repos. So there's maybe some things that we can follow up with how to do that in a future podcast or, or, or blog article. Yeah, and I think you know this is just the beginning, right? It's a fling. Obviously, it, it's not a supported tool or product, but it's something that we saw that was uh, would be really cool to put out there. Um, been in the works for for quite a while, and and they got it out for five five I believe is when that first was released. Yep. Um, and anyway, so it's it's really laying the the foundation for for other things that we could possibly do in the future, building off of that. Right? It's kind of a a framework that we can use, see how people use it, see how um, what people are actually using it for, and from there we can then tweak and and move forward if we decide that we want to you know update it or add on to that fling as well later on. Yeah, and that's the cool thing is we we definitely take our customers' feedback and we can into consideration and uh, we can talk a little bit about the web client. What else um, did you want to mention there, Brian? Yeah, so uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I can't remember. Was it the um, I just blinked the Wednesday night uh, webcast or podcast? Um, the Brown, the Brown, Brown, Brown bag. bag. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Mike Foley presented on the uh, the Brown bag a couple weeks ago. And mentioned that I was helping him on some automating the uh, the hardening guide. So we've got the vSphere 6 hardening guide that has oh so many different guidelines for each object, uh, VMs, hosts, networks, and to be able to go through and and validate and set the uh, the security guidelines for each of those is just almost impossible with with the number of objects people have in their in their data center. So uh, I've been working quite a bit with Mike. Um, we've got a, a couple commandlets um, that are pretty close to being ready for beta uh, that will allow you to go in and, and do a report um, or you know an, an audit per se on the virtual machines and their guidelines in the data center. So um, we've, I'm creating some modules right now. They're just for reporting. They're not actually remediating. Uh, that will come you know later on. But we'd like to kind of see. Uh, how well this works, what the interest is. So for any of you that are interested in trying this out or, or jumping into beta of, of reporting on your VM security, um, CC uh, Mike Foley and me on Twitter. Uh, get, some, get some stuff stirring there and let us know that you're interested. Uh, and I'm finishing up some of the uh, reporting graphics, um, kind of the formatting for the actual reports that are generated. And uh, then that should be ready here in about a week to try with other uh, modules and commandments coming for the other objects here in the near future. 
That is, that is awesome. So I guess it's worth mentioning. Um, I think it's beta one uh, is what Mike Foley currently has published for the vSphere 6.0 hardening guide. Um, it's on the uh, on the VMware communities. You can search for the vSphere 6.0 um, hardening guide, and just some really epic stuff that you're doing around that to help doing the create the initial stage of creating reports based on the um, the security posture of your of your environment based on the uh, recommendations and the 6.0 hardening guideline, which I really like the new format of the uh, hardening guideline. It's kind of put a, almost a namespace kind of option uh, for each of the line items. It's, it's, uh, it's a really nice new version of the hardening guideline if you haven't checked it out yet on the communities. Yeah, cool. and you know, just to add on to that, uh, you know, talking about power actions, being able to add in things like the hardening guide scripts and, and commandments. <laughs> Uh, would give people the ability to go in and run reports directly from your UI on, you know, auditing with uh, with some regularity there. Yeah, you're reading my mind, uh, reading my mind, because I was thinking from the standpoint <laughs> of of having uh, having kind of a, you know, to have a repo, right, where you import with Power Actions, import a repo with the remediations, the Power CI remediations, with context into Power Actions, and now you can actually run uh, run those actions for the to to pull your security posture, right? Maybe you want to pull security posture or apply a risk profile, you know, to a data center. You know, right-click your data center, go to Power Actions. Oh, there's the script for me to run. So, yep, very, exactly. Very fun engineer feats of engineering that uh, that you're working on, Brian. Uh, anything else that you've uh, you'd like to share with share with some of the folks in the community? And uh, there's some questions coming in. Um, you guys, again, if you have questions, pop on the pop on the audio, pop on the chat. Let's uh, see if we can answer your questions. Yeah, so okay. I don't, sorry, go for it. Uh, well, I was just mentioning, so uh, Kyle, Kyle Gleed's on, and he actually mentions that in VR, v, uh, vRealize Operations 6.0, we also have the ability to enable um, enable the, the hardening guidelines. I think it's 5.5 right now for 5.5 environments. I don't know if the ones for 6.0, because it's still in uh, beta 1, have been applied, but some of those still are relevant, but the hardening guidelines for hosts and virtual machines, et cetera, can be turned on in vRealize Operation 6.0, and you can begin uh, show you what is uh, being reported in your environment. Um, but then again, maybe using the scripts that you know uh, Wonderboy, <laughs> Power CLI Wonderboy here uh, is creating, uh, we can we can um, we can work to uh, uh, alleviate those issues. Which uh, the Hardening guideline has both power CLI, some Power CLI scripts or example scripts, some ESX CLI, and vCLI scripts uh, in the Hardening guide on how to re remediate some of the issues that you may come across. Um, correct? Yep, and and those are actually being updated as well. I sent uh, Mike some changes, so I don't know if it's in beta one yet. I'll have to ask him. Uh, but we have updated a lot of the Power CLI assessment scripts uh, oh, nice. to bring back more specific results. Uh, than they were doing before. So that's there. Um, and as far as uh, PowerCLI 6.0 R1 features, I really, I, I'll, I'll put this out there. Uh, July 7th, there will be a VMware webcast on PowerCLI 6.0 R1, what's new. So I'll be doing a webcast. I don't have the exact time, but I'll, I'll be tweeting it out here as soon as I, um, af after this, I'll look it up and see when it is. But if you're interested in, in going through the, the what's new on 6.0 for PowerCLI, that will be July 7th. Look for the announcement. 
Um, really, the, the one of the big things that I wanted to touch on, though, was that uh, PowerCLI now uh, extends into over 10 of the VMware products. Uh, and, and so for those that aren't using PowerCLI yet, uh, it's, a, it's a great, it's an easy tool to learn, especially if you've done any PowerShell in the past. But we're now linked into things such as vCloud Air, vSAN, uh, SRM. Uh, Autodeploy obviously uses uh, a lot of PowerCLI as well as host profiles. And, uh, and there's definitely a lot more coming uh, that I can't talk about yet. So, um, yeah, just look forward to that. We're, we're definitely working on being able to integrate with uh, all the different products so that you learn uh, you know, commands for PowerCLI and you can uh, be the administrator of your entire environment from essentially from one console. Yeah, I think it's uh, we, we see the I see the change happening in the uh, in the role of administrators where it becomes important for any administrator now not just to be you know just kind of a, a gooey gooey clicker right and Kyle Kyle will will agree with me um, here but uh, you really need to learn you know the command line right the command line interpreters you know some uh, script scripting like power uh, power CLI or even shell scripting or you know some other programming language to start to become a, an effective administrator for the era that we're we're entering or we are already in. So I think skills are definitely changing. Florent, in your um, when you're working with your customers, are you seeing um, adoption of additional techniques and, and skills um, for your customers and, and yourself? You know, learning scripting languages or programming languages, et cetera, as it relates to automation. Uh, on the automation, uh, yeah, personally and, and even through the customers, I mean, at the end of the day, we realize that we're, we have a, uh, a lot of other things better to do, you know, on our everyday than trying to pull some of the things that, are, that, are, that could be automated. So that being said, uh, unfortunately, I wish I could spend more time on the, uh, on the automation side, you know, but I realize that when you go to see the, some of the clients and you're asking some matrix or you're asking some reports, uh, they have automated pieces already uh, that the client was saying, oh, yeah, okay, hold on a second. Give me two minutes and I'll get, get it to you. You know, when in the past they would say, oh, my God, hold on a second. I'll send you an email after, you know. So I found that, you know, based on the, the, the virus enhancement, uh, there's, clients are developing some sort of, you know, flexibility or agility around scripting and automation because they realize that, hey, I'm not going to spend two hours trying to put out an information when I could have a script that does it automatically for me and give me the result in, what, 30 seconds? Yeah. So, so, I was just saying, I was just in some of the comments on the chat, you know, folks about talking about when, when to automate. And I've always, it's my personal belief, but if you have to, if you have to do something like one time and only one time, okay, just maybe just do it. But if it's more than one time and something you think you may have to do over and over, be asked for like a report or some kind of action, you know, take the time and investment and learn how to automate it um, to save you the save the save you the save you the time as well as save your save your organization the the operational cost um, associated with those with those tasks. Agreed. I agree. And I, I remember a couple of years I, I ago. When I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I, I think there's more to it than that too. Is the fact that a lot of these people that are uh, are just coming into the workforce as well as those at some of these, these big shops, you know, Amazon, Google, Facebook, it's all around automation. So if you're not automating, not only are you doing yourself a disservice, but your employers, as they see new people come in that can automate and can do your job that may take you, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week paying you overtime, 
when they can do that in mere hours, uh, you're, you know, you're really doing yourself a disservice. So it's definitely something where as, as environments get bigger and, and uh, you have the ability to automate in where you, where, you, know, you have API calls into different products and things uh, and have this extensibility, um, you're, you really need to jump on that or you're, you're going to hurt yourself in the long run. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that talks uh, speaks to a little bit of divergence here, but I think it speaks to um, something that our friend Josh out will like to say. It's like being the CEO of your own career. Um, I think it's it's his statement. But you know, I'm a very firm believer that um, we're in a changing era. You know, you need to uh, constantly keep your skills sharp and, and learn new technologies. You should always be learning and you know investing your time learning new technologies, learning new you know ways to do things and enhancing your skill set and your tool belt, you know, um, I like to, personally, I like to spend about 10 hours a week um, trying to learn new technologies or, or keeping up with new technologies and new ways to do things, whether it's, I'm, you know, I'm learning Python scripting or Golang, or I'm learning about Docker, or even our own, our own technologies here at VMware, I think it's very uh, imperative for folks to, to keep their skills sharp, right, and learn how to do scripting, uh, learn about co- coding, um, you know, it's a, it's a good skill to have. Yeah. And and I don't think I don't think any uh you know I don't think any management in the in, in the world would ever say no to someone that one that comes to see them you know in a, in a development career and say I would like or I would love to you know enhance my skill set in automation and, and scripting you know and and fundamentally I would save an hour or two a day ten hours a week uh, you know to the organization and I could return that ten hours actually to focus my time on some more profitable. Uh, you know, uh, application deployment or, or services enhancement. So I think, you know, all three of us have the same idea on that one is, is automation. I, I always said, even in the past, like I'm, a, I'm, in, uh, I I'm in my 40s. So 20 years ago, already 20 years ago, when I, when, you know, when I started to work in IT, I always say, and, and I had a boss, actually I had a manager that was telling me, that goes, Elise admin is a good admin. And at the time, I never understood that. But as you know, as my career grew, and I, I understood what he meant, you know, and he said, the more you're going to automate, the more you're going to do things automatically, the more time you're going to save, and, and the more proactive you're going to be able uh, to be for the things that are coming and you haven't seen them moving your way. So is it a good yeah. thing? Absolutely. Do you need to learn? Absolutely. And that's what keeps the world turning, learning, learning, and developing. Yeah, and I think it also allows you to um, expand your creative side, right? You, you, when you start to learn programming, you, you'll, you'll get a different view of, uh, of how things can be done and, and give you opportunity to be, be creative. Um, some of the ways, you know, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, kind of to your, to your point for it is uh, regarding, you know, employers is, you know, if there's, if there's tasks that you are, are doing, you know, often, but you're doing them manually, and you want to learn, you know, maybe approaching your employer and saying, you know, I'd like to learn this power, power CLI. I'd like to learn maybe Realize Orchestrator. It comes with vCenter. And take, you know, you probably have a list of things that you, you're constantly doing manually. Maybe taking those uh, and pick a bu- create a bucket list, right, and prioritize those. And say, how can I automate those so that report that I get asked for to, to run and I do manually or what have you, I'll give my my manager or, or some others, you know, the ability to run that report themselves, right? Or click a button or have some way to get that information more effectively, you know, and, and, and faster and reduce um reduce our costs. 
essentially. As far yeah. as and, and and when you look at some of the largest deployment today, when you look at some of the very or even smaller or large operation, you know, somebody it's gonna happen one day. Your manager, your director is gonna come in your office saying, "I need to have a precise inventory of you know the infrastructure that we have from a from a virtual machine standpoint. I need to have the amount of vCPUs. I need to the the, the, amount, the amount of vRAM, how much space they consume overall. I need to have you know a health check on my environment. How are you gonna do that by hand? You know, it, it's good if you have like 10, 20 VMs. You're probably going to spend maybe what half a day if, if you do it manually. But if you're looking at infrastructure that has 32 hosts and then you know an average of 10 VM per host, then forget about it. You're going to spend an entire quarter trying to pull this information out. And at the end of the day, you're just going to look at you saying, "But you've done that manually? Like you don't know anything about operation management or something like that?" You know, you need to be very smart and very proactive. Yeah, you can you can take the very the very construct of what uh, Brian's working on the 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 automation of the reporting for the hardening guidelines, right? Yeah. If you were to do that manually, how much time and effort would it take versus, you know, what Brian's working on to automate that? And there's a, be a huge uh, return on investment. In that. Oh, I, think, I think it's something that's great for your resume as well, right? So as you jump in, and I, I just kind of have <laughs> pushed this into an automation discussion here, right? But uh, I, I think that as you were going along, you can start keeping track of what you've done and what you've automated and how much time that would have taken. And that's huge for when you go into reviews and evals and, and when you're working with your boss, you know, to, to try and get a raise or, or anything else, you can say, you know, look at what I've done and look at how much money I've saved the company. And that should also be a decision as you're looking into, you know, what, which vendor to purchase from, different products in the future, be it virtualization products or products for your, for your data center. Do they tie in well to the automation platforms that we're using? And if so, you know, is that going to save us even more money because we already have scripts that can, we can tie into this and cut down on our operational expenditures for each of those tasks? Now, obviously, most of the people are probably going to be salaried, but it gives them the opportunity to go and work on other things, fine-tuning the environment, um, yeah. learning new abilities to, to help the company. And I think that that's a huge thing for for management to notice when you say, hey, you know, I did this one task here that normally would have taken me three weeks to do manually. I, I did it in two hours. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go study some of this other stuff so that I can do the same type of thing with product Y. I think that you win, you uh, can easily win over your boss, you know, right. with that. Yeah, and then taking those same skills that you're learning, you know, how to doing tasks to say, okay, now how can I take and incorporate those skills and those new, those new skills and technologies I'm learning and roll that into not just, you know, doing reporting or doing, you know, uh, common tasks, but now rolling that into things such as, you know, deploying your infrastructure, right? Deploying the infrastructure as a service, you know, um, automating the build of applications. I mean, that's it's a progressive levels of automation and to the point that, you know, you do get to, you know, levels of continuous integration and continuous deployment and, and moving that needle forward so that your business can respond um, better to their demands, right? <laughs> I've been in a lot of organizations, the, band, the demands of the business don't stop, right? They're always going to be there. And it's up to us in IT to uh, understand those understand those business requirements and how can we respond respond uh, faster and make the, uh, and be kind of, you know, become a strategic partnership with the, uh, the business. And automation is, a, is a, I think, a, a fundamental. Yeah, and, and in operation, I think it's it's uh, it's it's crucial that we find 
ways to, you know, save costs for the organization. Sometimes I've, I've been in operations, so I'm talking out of experience. You know, when you're looking at operations, you're trying to, you know, uh, like you're running after fires day in, day out, you know, and, and at the end of the day, you know, from a, from a career development standpoint, it's not fun, <laughs> okay? It's fun for a couple of weeks. It's fun for a couple of months. But at the end of the day, hey, can I see something else, you know? And I think, you know, to all of our points, is I, it, the more you become proactive, in, in operation mode, and the more you the, the more you can show your management or your your upper management saying, guys, this is operation cost very very cost sensitive. This is how much time we save by investing a little bit of time by developing personal skill set, and this is you know the, the return to the business or the sorry we we return to the business this amount of hours where we focus on doing something more proactive so i think personally and you know for at the organization level it has high benefit uh automation and and again i think we all agree on that and it's 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 such it's just rewarding you know at the end of the day you look at it and you say well, it's looking at an environment you know that's entirely automated you know and and you could look at it it could be very simple from a getting every day an email from, you know, backup status and just one word, success, you know, yeah. or failure and exactly pinpointing where is the problem. So instead of wasting an hour trying to troubleshoot, okay, where am I backup failed, you know exactly where it is. And you know because, you know, you have the right engine and the right, the right view, the right eyes behind the script that look for you while you're away allowing you to be proactive the next morning. That's awesome. Yeah. So some, yeah. Of, the, some, of, the, some of the customers I've worked with, they, um, they're using you know, V-Realize, oper- V-Realize operations and V-Realize orchestrator to, as well as some of the, the additional third-party plugins and V-Realize orchestrators say, listen, you know, if I see issues occur in my environment, right? I get an alert in VR ops, right? Or log insight. Now I can start begin to take action, right? Whether it's manual action or say, I see this alert. You know, I'm using a plugin for, you know, um, maybe it's yeah, HP Service Manager, right? Uh, which there's an AvNet plugin for that, and I'll go open a open up uh, incident ticket, right? And maybe you know, then one of my one of my operations guys sees the ticket and takes care of it, or you know, I open the ticket, but then I already have a way to remediate that. And I can automatically remediate that and then close the ticket so that you have a paper trail of, okay, this is an issue that came up. We open the ticket. We solve the issue. We close the ticket. Life is good again. You didn't get, you didn't get, you know, woken up in the middle of the night or get pulled out, you know, of a a meeting that was more important to the business. So um, those are some, definitely some things that I've seen in in my customers. Uh, Brian Foran, are you seeing those same kinds of, of needs from yours? Yeah, so in and I think I know which customer you were talking about. I've seen others um as well that, that do similar things where um they receive email notifications every morning on the status of their environment. They also use uh, a VTech, which is a, a PowerShell slash power CLI. You know, I think um, it's a good a good time to maybe educate some folks of what VTech is because it is a powerful <laughs> powerful community tool. So I'll yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so VCheck was started by Alan Renouf, and then uh, he put it out there to the community uh, to to add to it. But there's a, I'd like to say there's probably about a hundred, hundred and ten different uh, different options that that this can check for. Um, but it's a very simple script. You you set up the first time, and uh, it it registers as a scheduled task, and it will go through, and you can tell it what you want it to check, right? So it can check to see if there are snapshots, if there are snapshots past a certain date, 
um, if there are if there's media uh, attached to certain um, virtual machines, how you know are your data stores filling up? Um, you know, there's it's um, it's kind of like a poor man's uh, view realized operations as far as a, a single um, uh, a single report, right? So you're not going to have the automation and forecasting and things that you do in in view realized operations. Um, but as far as um, being able to come in, it, it emails you th this report, and you can set it up on whatever cadence you want it to. But uh, I know a lot of people that come in, and they'll run it either daily or weekly, and you know, sit down Monday morning, and they see this, and they say, oh, you know what? This just saved me four hours of digging through my environment to find some of this. And oh, our backups have stopped removing the snapshots afterwards, and, and it's filling up You're our lunch here. I'm glad I saw this. Yep. You know? uh, yeah, absolutely. So, and the so nice I part is I, it's it's plugin based, and so it's extendable. You can write your own scripts to go along with it. Um, as I recall, you can write your own scripts and put them. You know, you have the option of choosing which plugins you want, which scripts you want to run, or you can write, write your own, put it in the folder, and include that um, into the daily run, or however often you run it. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, there's there's a lot of people that do that, and there's a lot of people that are striving for you know, working towards a self-healing data center with things like um, scripting and automation tied in with the Realize Orchestrator um, to, depending on, on the type of error or issue that comes up, instead of you receiving an alert that you need to go fix this, it will try and fix it for them and just send you the results of, you know, maybe it's tied into ServiceNow or, or into whatever other ticketing system you have. And they're able to go in and say, hey, you know, um, it opened a ticket for me when it saw this issue. It tried to fix it. It either did or it didn't. Here's the result, and you know, man hours saved. Now, obviously, that comes with the cost of of trying to get it set up and fine tuning it to that point. And a lot of smaller shops maybe don't have the cycles or the the, the capacity to do that. But you know, that's what uh, some of these bigger companies are doing, and that's something I think that a lot of people are trying to to strive for. You know, as a as a long term goal. Right. Very good. Guys, we're hitting almost the top of the hour. Wow, um, it's been it's been fast and furious. Uh, we we talked about you know some we touched on some of the vSphere six uh, some of the vSphere six features like vVols, and we talked about you know changes in the platform service controller and vCenter, and and we can always dig even deeper on these and bring some of their, our fellow v experts and, and some of the technical marketing and product managers onto the podcast. Um, uh, excellent discussion. We've talked a lot about automation, Brian and Florent. Um, any any last words from uh, Florin or Brian or anybody from the community you'd like to just touch on? I'll just go um, ahead and, and and say <laughs> I beat you to it, man. Um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say there's definitely a lot of good stuff going on uh, with vSphere 6, and I've heard from a lot of customers uh, that they they feel like this release is really setting the foundation for future uh, technologies to build off of, of things that we've put out there. Um, you know, one one of those that we didn't talk about today and that hasn't been discussed a whole lot is uh, Instant Clone. And if you're interested in, in hearing about that, um, you know, you can you can find that on the VMware website. But there's a lot of things going into play here that are um, that a lot of people feel are setting the the foundation as well for the future. Uh, and it's a great release, full of uh, I, I can't remember what did what did management say this was like 600 new features and fixes and and do that. So um, definitely something <laughs> to take a look at. In there, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, maybe around. they didn't say do that. 
<laughs> That's what we say. Uh, yeah, around 600 new features in vSphere 6.0. And, you know, there's there's lots more to talk lots more to talk about. Um, you know, and the Instant Clone is a great one. Maybe we can get some of the guys from um, that engineering team um, and product management to, to come on to even the next even the next podcast uh, next week. Actually, Dan Palo also next week. Maybe we can we can work that out. Um, Brian, thank you for jo- joining the podcast podcast today. How can uh, folks who, folks who don't know you how can they find and get, and get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, so I blog uh, weekly on the um, VMware vSphere blog, so blogs.vmware.com slash vSphere, as well as I, I blog on the VMware, uh, dot, sorry, the blogs.vmware.com slash powercli. I run a personal blog, vtagion, v-t-a-g-i-o-n.com, and my Twitter handle is at vbriangraph. So there's plenty of different ways that, that people can get a hold of me, and I'm always looking for, for feedback and for, for questions. I love talking with the customers. So uh, feel free to, to reach out to me in any one of those ways. Terrific. Now, Florent, how can folks uh, get in touch with you and, and learn more about what you're doing? Um, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a group on LinkedIn. It's called uh, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, Solution Architect, or in French, Architect de Solution. I just put it in the other way. Uh, but you could look for Architect on LinkedIn. Uh, there is a blog there. Uh, it's uh, it's in English. It's in French. Um, and I also have a Twitter handle. It's at uh, Florent Tastet. So, Good luck to remember that one. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to change for John Smith or something like that. Be John Smith. That would be <laughs> That's right. We're gonna, we, we have to invent someone like that. Whose fault is that? Ah, John Smith. Who's that? Oh, yeah. We fired like him. Be Canadian, right? <laughs> yeah, he's a Canadian guy, you know, from Eastern. And so, yeah, the Twitter... <laughs> The Twitter is one is one side. The LinkedIn is another side. Uh, I got a personal blog on uh, WordPress.com. It's uh, again Florent Tastet, so F L O R E N T T A S T T dot WordPress.com. Uh, and I'm trying to uh, stay around as much as possible the V Expert community. Uh, trying to stay around Corey a lot. So thank you, Corey, and thank you, Eric. Thank you, everyone, for having me today. It was an amazing experience. Thank you so much. Excellent. Thank you, Florent, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And, uh, Corey, just uh, one more reminder about the uh, nominations, uh, the applications, I should say, for the V-Experts. When do those, the next release of the V-Experts, when does that end? So that, uh, (laughs) with the applications end, I want to say June 15th, uh, we will announce right right before VMworld. All right, guys, get your applications in if you want to get in this round. Uh, my name is Ryan Johnson. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at at 10:30 a.m. T-E-N-T-H-I-R-T-A-M. Don't ask me where that name came, comes from. Well, you can if you want to. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm happy to answer questions. I work in the technical marketing group here at VMware um, with Brian and Kyle and others. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and I'll pass the big gr- red button over to Corey. Thanks everybody for tuning right. in. All right. Hey, thanks everyone. Thanks for joining, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.